morning, everyone. Good. Glad to see you this morning. And this morning we're going to be preaching about Samson in just a few moments. I do want to say uh, something. Last week was awesome. Water baptism. Amen. Amen. And uh, just thank God. 18 baptized in water. We actually had four more uh, that couldn't, couldn't be here for, for that weekend. And so uh, I, I guess we've already got a list started for next time. So excited about that. And I, I wanted to say that again, remind you, because I also wanted to say a big, huge thank you to everybody that worked so hard. We had uh, some people here at 7 a.m. last Sunday getting ready, and uh, some were here several hours the, the day before on Saturday. Some were working from their home. Um, some of the wiring and stuff had to be done early, and just a lot of stuff going on. And, and I just appreciate all the people that helped us make that such a huge, awesome day for those being baptized. It was, man, it was an awesome day for the rest of us, too. And uh, somebody even uh, told me after service, and then they posted it this week on Facebook, that they said they noticed during the worship and the, the, the prayer and the, and the word, it was like uh, a lot of the, the, the workers of the church and uh, the, the staff and the volunteers were like standing around the outside of the congregation, almost as if they were covering them in prayer and just protecting and just praying and praying that covering. And saying, man, that was awesome. And it's just awesome what God did for us last week. And also just, you know, this church does a whole lot of good stuff. Um, somebody, several have asked me about the, uh, the orchard, you know, what's going on with that in Romania. We paid for half an orchard in Romania just a few weeks ago. We raised that money and uh, got a little bit of an update that the weather is holding them up. So that's, that's good news because it lets me know they're at least, they're working on it already, that they did get the rest of the money raised, and, uh, and so they're working on that, and they, they said they're going to send us some seeds. As soon as they get their first harvest, they're going to dry some seeds out and send to us, and if we want to plant some trees around here, the, uh, we can do that as well. And I said, man, that's just awesome. Those, those are the kinds of things that, uh, that we've been doing around, and uh, this coming Saturday, I think it was laying in bed last night, I, I just, it, it hit me, and I, I told Dave, I said, the golf tournament is Saturday. Now, it's not our golf tournament, so that's really good news, isn't it, that it's something i got to pull together in, in a week, but we're a, we're a supporter, a sponsor of the golf tournament, Jeff Skinner Golf Tournament, and some of you might not know Jeff, he was here in the early service, uh, but he's a, a brain cancer survivor, and uh, this is the third year. And the first two years, they've raised $33,000 in the first two years. And it's, it's held right here. Uh, actually, it's held over in Pinson, but it's, it's right here in our neighborhood. And so if you'd like, if you'd like to play, uh, I plan to play and some others in the church. If you'd like to play, it's, uh, just go ahead and tell you, for you guys that like to you know, go out and spend $15 to play golf, it's, it's $100 because it's a, it's a fundraiser, okay? But that's what we've been doing and uh, been helping for the past couple of years. We'd love to have you join us. And I go support this. And all these things, awesome things that God is using 2911 to do. I mean, there, there are some things that, uh, man, we just watched God do at, at such, even in those early days. I mean, we were part of that golf tournament, you know, two years ago when we were still very small and helped, uh, helped think we raised uh, $15,000 even that year. And so, you know, we've watched God do some awesome things. But this morning... The message is that still small voice, that still small voice. Here, here's some, I, want, I want to say this just before we have a word of prayer and get into this message. Because this hit me as I, as I was praying just before the beginning of the message uh, in, in the early service. Is even though there's some awesome things going on and, and that we're doing as a church. You know, some things that, man, it'd be cool to just do a commercial for. Let me, you know, let me tell you about 2911, that kind of a thing. Even though there's some awesome things being done by us as a whole, as a crowd, as a group, if we're not staying in touch with that still small voice and keeping our, every single one of us 
needs to hear that still small voice and make sure we are in the very center of his plan for our lives. Because even if all this is great, you know, and even all this going on is great, if we're not individually in his, in his will for our lives, if we're not individually in that place, then all we're doing is we're making a lot of noise. We're not bringing God glory. We're just making noise. So today, I'm going to pray with you right now. And in this message, and at the end of this message, when we finish in prayer and the last song, I want you to hear that still small voice. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much, God. You have, Lord, blessed us so much, God. Again, let me just say, God, I just thank you that I'm not sitting on the sidelines watching some other church do great things. God, I'm watching you do great things through us. But, Lord, I pray, help every single one of us hear that still, small voice inside of our own spirits today. And, and God, just let us know, God, if there's, a, if there's a place in our life that's just not quite in line with your will, your plan for our life. God, if there's, if there's some decision that we've made, God, if there's some, something that we've done that we need to go back and fix, and re- maybe repent or apologize over, Lord, God, whatever it is, God, let us, every one of us today, hear that still small voice. So, God, not just the church can be doing awesome things, but God, awesome things can be happening in my life. Awesome things can be happening in our marriages. Awesome things can be happening in, in, in our kids' lives, in our, our finances, in our health, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so Samson. You probably heard the story of Samson before. You've heard that name a little bit. But let's, let's back up to the beginning of it. Just a few verses of Scripture kind of thrown in here a little bit this morning. This is Judges chapter 3, ver- uh, I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 3, and the first part of verse 5, or the second part of verse 5. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. This is a recurring theme throughout Scripture, seems like, isn't it? I mean, God goes and finds barren women and gives them children, right? He goes and finds empty people, people that have not received. I mean, people that are empty, people that are desiring something. They've got to have and then what he does, he fills their life with purpose. I mean, he's doing it with this woman. About all we know about this woman is she was Samson's mother and Manoah's wife. That's about all we know about her. But if you think about Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham and Sarah, God did the same thing to them. I mean, they, they, they didn't have a child, but God didn't just give them a child. God gave them a child that was a child of purpose. He did the same thing with Elizabeth and, and uh, Zechariah in the New Testament, John the Baptist. They had not ever had a child God didn't just give them any child. He gave them a child of promise. He gave them the forerunner of Jesus Christ, John the Baptist. I mean, he, didn't just, he doesn't just fill empty people's lives. He fills empty people's lives with purpose. And that's who, that's who Samson was. And so when Samson, when Samson was conceived, though, I mean, Samson was, he was conceived, yet it was in the middle of God's plan. Sometimes... Sometimes when we, we get to those places of being empty and needing something from God and we start talking to him saying, God, I need or, or I want, and we, we start asking God for things, you know, then we kind of get the idea that we taught God into doing it. But, you know, really, that was already God's plan. God had purpose for Samson's life that Samson was going to help deliver Israel from the Philistines. And so when, when, when this emptiness was in Manoah and his wife, 
This was part of God's, God wanted to do this thing. So, so I understand it, is, that, is that God wants to do this. He, he did that in that way and that way and that way, you know, for those three couples that I mentioned already. He did that, and he was bringing purpose into their lives, and this was part of the plan. Before Samson was conceived in his mother's womb, this plan was conceived in the heart of God. And, and we see this theme throughout Scripture, and you know what? It happens with every single person, that before you were conceived in your mother's womb, the purpose that God has for you was already conceived in his heart. You have, just like Samson and John the Baptist, you have purpose in your life. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have purpose. Okay. So this morning, I want us to focus for, I want us to hear God. I, I want you to really hear that still, small voice. You know, and I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say, say some things. I'm going to say a lot of things here in the next half hour. You know, I'm going to say a lot of things. You're not going to hear your purpose. You're, if you've never heard it before, you can hear it this morning. Or, or if you hadn't heard God talk about it or give any direction in a while, you can hear that this morning. But you're not going to hear it really with my voice and, and, and this loud voice coming out. It's going to be that still, small voice that when we read a scripture or we display something on the screen or, or I say something, that, that, that inner voice, that still, small voice, it's going to be like a little bit of electricity that just kind of hits and says, that's what I've been trying to tell you. That's what I've been trying to get across to you. That still, small, so hear the still, small voice. Samson had something else going for him. Uh, it's, uh, the, the angel said, now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And so the angel said, okay, and before, before this child's even born, you've got to start being obedient. Don't drink any wine. You've got certain things to do. And when he's born, don't cut his hair. This is going to be a thing, just part of a vow, because God has a purpose for him. This was awesome. So she, she was obedient. Manoah's wife, Samson's mom, was obedient even before Samson was born. Man, it is an awesome thing for you to have purpose, and it is a doubly awesome thing for you to have purpose that you have parents that understand your purpose and will stand with you and, and be obedient in, in following God even before you're born and following on, on your behalf doing that. That's what they were doing. Awesome that he had these parents that were obedient even before he was born. But then he got old enough to make his own decisions and so then he was disobedient. Now, I, don't know how long, I don't know how long, we don't know how old he was exactly, but Chapter 14, verse 1 says, Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah, the daughter of the Philistines. And there's a, there's a word here, that fourth word in, the, in that verse right there. That fourth word is one, it just intrigues me that it's here. It's, it, it, almost in a way you can say it's almost like an accident that it was there. But it's God's design. I mean, so much. Now Samson went down. Now Samson went down. Samson was born with purpose. Samson had awesome parents who were obedient to God even before he was born. But now Samson went down. And if you look at the map, you'll see that Timnah was a little south, just a little southwest of, of, of where he was uh, living, where he grew up. But if you look at a topographical map, what you'll see is, is, that, is that it's actually down maybe in a different way. I mean, normally when we say down, we're not talking about south. We're talking about going down a hill, right? And he lived more in, in the hill country, and Timnah was more in the, in the valleys. And so when you see this, you say, oh, that just happened to me. Oh, well, since it happened that way, I think God threw it in here for us to see. I mean, I can't get past that. I can't just read past that without understanding what, what was going on here. God is pointing out to us that now Samson began to go down in his life. And when he got to Timnah, guess what? He saw a girl there that, man, he just had to have. And so when he went back home, you know, he went back home to his mom and dad. You know what he told him? 
He said, I saw a girl in Timnah, and I got to have her. Go get her for me. That's the way they did things back in those days. Aren't you glad you didn't have to send your dad to go get them? You know, aren't you glad you don't have to send your dad? You know, hey, go get her for me. Can you imagine your dad knocking on the door and asking a girl if, you can, if she can go, will go out with you? I mean, you know, that, that's what he said. Dad, I, I got to have this girl, so go get her for me. And you know what they did? Here, here's, here's what they did. Is they said, no, no, wait a minute, Samson. Here's where the real disobedience comes in, okay, and you're going to see it. They said, wait a minute, Samson. She's not an Israelite. You see, they weren't, supposed to, they weren't supposed to marry outside. They weren't supposed to connect themselves with those outside of the Jewish faith. And some people see this as a racist thing, that God was trying to keep the race pure. Well, he was for a reason. But that's not the issue here. The issue is not about racism. The issue is not about keeping the races pure. The issue is not about not intermarrying with races. The issue was about the Israelites were the only ones who were serving God, Jehovah God. And for him to connect himself with uh, someone outside of that faith would mean he was connecting himself with another faith. He was choosing to step outside of the will of God. He was going to marry someone who had other, other religions and other faith ideas and other things in her. And her family and her friends and all of her relationships were now going to invade his life and invade his heart and probably change his mind about a lot of things. That was the reason why. And so his parents were saying, wait a minute, Samson. They had been obedient. They had done all this. They had, they had protected his purpose all this time. And now Samson says, i got to have this girl. They said, wait a minute, Samson. You can't do this thing. But you know what? Lust had already begun to grow in Samson. And I don't mean just sexual lust. Yeah, sexual lust too is probably in there. But I mean the lust that grows in your heart when you got to have something. Anybody ever say, i got to have that? You know? I, I, whenever I hear that phrase, you know, I, I think about Will Smith in that movie Independence Day, you know, when he, he gets in an alien spaceship, you know, and he blo- flies out of there and he's turning that seat. He said, man, I got to get me one of these. You know, anybody ever said that about life? You know, I got to get me one of these. I mean, I, you know, there's just things like that. And lust conceives. And not, not, not just the sexual lust, but I'm talking about just the lust that I got to have this. I got to, and you know, and, and we get this in our minds so much and we got to have this. And now all of a sudden, you know, he, he's on a different plan than God's plan for his life. And he begins to grow obstinate. You know what that means, don't you? Anybody here have any obstinate children? You know, headstrong, my way, no, no, I, I gotta have this, mom. Fall in the floor. Okay, y'all quit pointing at your kids, all right? <laughs> and you fall in the floor and pitch a fit, you know, and, and uh, those things, you know, gotta, gotta do that. You know, gotta have it, gotta, and he, that's the way he was, says, no, I've gotta have this woman. And you know what his mom and dad did? They had been obedient. They were obedient before he was even born. But now his mom and dad, they start getting with the wrong plan. They step into the same plan as Samson. And they, they take him down to actually meet this girl and meet the family and everything. I think, why in the world would they do something like this? And, and, and I know I, I see parents doing this even today. Part of it's pride, you know. Oh, we, we, we've, we've got we've to be there for him. I mean, if this is the woman he's got to have, we've got to be there for him. You know, we, we got to, uh, you know, it, it would look bad if they put, you know, in the newspaper, they couldn't put our names that we're proud to announce the marriage of our daughter and all that and our son and all. It'd be, it'd be a shame. I mean, what would the world think of us if we're not there for them? I mean, that's, that's kind of that. Or, or, or maybe it was that they spoiled him. I mean, he was their only child and probably came to them at, at a late age. And so maybe they spoiled him too much. And so once he put his foot down and pitched his foot and everything, they just said, okay, if that's what you want. And they went to get it for him. I don't know why they did it, but that's not who Samson needed. Samson was already in a wrong line. What, what Samson needed was he needed some parents to say, wait a minute. We told you this is out of line and you need to get back in line. 
And I thought, I thought yesterday, I you know, had this sermon already prepared, and I thought yesterday about a story that I, and it's actually in the middle of a sermon that I heard, man, I, I don't know how many years ago, I heard this Dr. E.V. Hill, who passed away now about nine years ago. If you know Dr. E.V. Hill, some of you have heard his messages. He preached, he preached his wife's funeral some years before he died. He didn't deliver the eulogy at his wife's funeral. He didn't talk about his wife. He preached his wife's funeral. I mean, and this, this, this sermon, I mean, it, it, it's out to go Google it. You can, you can find it online. You can listen to it. He preached his wife's funeral. And in the early moments of the sermon and his wife's funeral, he preached about the, he, he preached about it. And listen, I'm, I'm taking, I know I'm taking a little detour here because I know we're talking about Samson, but I got to talk to us as parents here today too for a little bit, okay? And he said, he, he talked about in, in, the, in the funeral for his wife, he talked about how that parents sometimes have to step in and do the right things for their kids. And, and then he tells a story about one of his daughters named Norva Rose. He said, Norva Rose fell in love with something that knocked at my door. Did y'all get that? Norva Rose fell in love with something that knocked at my door. And he said, I went and answered the door, and, and, and the guy said, is Norva Rose here? And he said, not for you. And he said, well, can I see her? No. That was it. Just no. And he said, well, well who, made, who said I couldn't see her? Dr. Hill said, me, and I'm her dad. And you don't look like anything I've been looking for. <laughs> and he said, well, isn't, isn't it her decision? And he said, no. <laughs> as best we can. This, these are his words. I'm, I'm trying to get them word for word. He said, as best we can, unless she goes crazy, we're going to try to give her to something that has some potential. And with that, he closed the door. <laughs> can you imagine? He goes and sits down. He says, Norva Rose comes bouncing down the steps and says, Daddy, Daddy, was that for me? And he said, no, that wasn't for you at all. <laughs> and the explanation was this. He said, you don't get racehorses from mules. Hmm. Sounds kind of judgmental, doesn't it? I remember later in that sermon, he said, he said later in that sermon that uh, he, said, I he said, I married Norva Rose off. He said, and he said, I'm the president of the Chauvinist Society. He said, I married her off to the vice president of the Chauvinist Society. <laughs> and he bragged about the son-in-law that he got. But here's what he said about that particular story. He said, some things need to be broken up. And I can tell you, I, I can tell you this because, and some of you looking at me like, well, you're you crazy. You're just supposed to let, no, uh, let me tell you, I, I, I know what I'm talking about. Because me and David, we have, we have stepped in at times in spiritual warfare to break up some stuff in our kids' lives. I mean, yeah, we, we prayed some girlfriends and some boyfriends away from our kids. Yes, we have. And thank God. You know, and we're, we thank God for, for, for who they're married to these days. You know, thank God for that, that that's, come to the, that's come to this, and we see this. And you know what? I don't back I don't apologize. I don't back up from it at all. You know, and I believe God is holding it all together, but I can tell you this, I don't back up from it all because today, Kristen, you know where our daughter Kristen is? She's downstairs running the kids' ministry at Church 2911. And our son is across town 
as a student pastor running the student ministry at Christway Church. I don't back down at all because I believe that when, when, when your child starts to connect with something they're not supposed to connect with, and it may be a wrong person or it may be a wrong idea, it may be a wrong set of friends, it may be a wrong theology, when your child starts to connect with something they should, then like Dr. Hill said, some things need to be broken up. And where Samson's at now is he is outside of the plan of God, and he is in a place of spiritual warfare. He's not going to ease back into the plan of God. Somebody's going to have to fight a fight. And you know what? It's probably not going to be the kid. Amen? It's probably not going to be the, the child. It's, it's going to need to be. And, and Samson, I mean, now he's connected with an entirely different group of people. He doesn't have any other Christians around, or, or Jews at that point, but it's like your child not having any other Christians around them. You are the one, Mom. You are the one, Dad. When your child starts connecting with the wrong thing, they don't need a buddy. They need a mom or a dad to step up and say, wait a minute, you need to hear the still, small voice in your life again. That's, that's your calling, Mom. That's your calling, Dad. And I wonder, wonder how many of us, if, if we wouldn't be embarrassed, we'd like to stand up right now and just say, say Mom, yeah, Mom, Dad, you know, it would have been a lot easier on me if you'd have been who I needed you to be instead of who you thought I wanted you to be. We'll get to that place one day and we'll find that out. Some things need to be broken up, Mom and Dad. And listen, for you, for you Samsons out here, when mom and dad start breaking that stuff up, I mean, you may not like what they say, but when they start praying and it starts falling apart on you, you need to say, thank God. Because if they pray and it falls apart, it must have been God's will for that thing to be broken up. And you need to say, thank God that I had a mom or a dad who would pray that for me. And if you don't have that mom or dad praying that for you, then find one. Look around, there's several right here right now. Find you a spiritual mom or dad before you leave this service today and say, look, I got some stuff in my life that needs broken up and I don't even know what needs to be broken up or not and ask them, would you pray that God will break some stuff up in my life this week? You need that. We need that. Because now, look, look where he's at. I mean, and it don't get any better. Because now, you know what he does? Is he goes down to marry this girl. His mom and his dad, they, he goes down, they marry, he marries this girl and they have a seven-day feast. And at the beginning of the feast, his new father-in-law gives him 30 friends from their neighborhood, their community. You know why? Because he's not around his friends anymore. His family's not at the wedding. He doesn't have a best man from his village. There are no Jews there. There are nobody who believes what he believes. And so now and he's not just marrying a woman. He's marrying a whole town. And his, now his 30 friends at this feast, the 30 people who are going to be closest to him, hang out with him, they're from this town. They don't believe what he believes. They, don't, they weren't raised the way he was raised. They're not living like he was taught to live. And you know what happens? Hey, the partying starts. <laughs> yep, they start partying, no doubt, drinking, and, you know, horsing around doing all kinds of foolishness, stupid things, you know, telling jokes that shouldn't be told, and then Samson tells a riddle. Now, see... One of these trips from, that Samson made down to meet this girl, he killed a lion. See, God had given him a supernatural power. And, and, and you know what? I'm not, I don't even want to preach about the miracle aspect of the story of Samson today. You know why? Because the miracle, in a way, the miracle didn't really even happen. I mean, it wasn't even happening. The miracle's not even there. He's not working in the God gave him miracle working power, a power, a strength in him like no man has ever had. And it's not just strength that he got from you know, from going into, you know, into the gym and, you know, and buffing, getting real buff, you know, pumping up. It wasn't that. This was a supernatural strength that no man could have. 
Yeah, he, he never really, never really used it. Not, not in the way God intended it. So it's, this is not even about the miracle, but he had this miracle power. And on one of these trips, he, he, he killed a lion. And on another trip, I think it was actually the trip on his way down to, to marry the girl. His mom and dad were with him. And, and he went, he went to just check that, check that lion's carcass out, just seeing He remembered where he killed it. He walked off the road a little bit. And that's what the word tells us. He walked off the road. And he sees the, the lion there. And in the carcass of the lion, uh, bees have built a hive and there's honey, and he takes some of the honey, takes it back to his parents, but he still doesn't tell them about the line. Okay, so now when he gets into his feast after his marriage there in these seven days, he tells his, he tells his 30 friends, his new friends, he says, I got a riddle for you. And if you can solve my riddle, if you can tell me what I'm talking about, then I'll give each one of you, all 30 of you, I'll give you a, a, a new change of clothes. I'll give you a new suit of clothes. But if, I can't, if y'all can't do it within seven days, then you've all got to give me one. And so I'd be, you all got to give me 30. They said, okay, tell us your riddle. And so he told them the riddle. And the riddle was something like this. It was like, out of the eater came meat. And out of the strong came sweetness. Okay, and what is he talking about? He's talking about the lion and the honey. But he's told nobody about this. So he knows nobody can tell. They'll, they'll never figure this one out. He's got this one. You know, this is a sure bet if there ever was one. And for three days they guess and they can't figure it out. And on the third day, you know what they do? Is they go to his new wife. And they start trying to talk her in. And she says, I, I don't know, I don't know. And they said, well, you better find out. And she doesn't want to find out. I mean, she's just now gotten married. She doesn't want this kind of a, uh, something in her new marriage, right? But, you know, that's the exact same thing. That is exactly what happens in your life. When you start connecting with the wrong people, the wrong places, the wrong things, and you get out of line, what starts happening in your life is you start getting a whole lot of junk in your life, a lot of garbage, a lot of trash in your life. And she said, I don't want that in my marriage. And they, so they threatened her. And, and they said, if you don't help us with this, we're going to burn your, your father and your father's household. We're going to kill him. We're going to burn him. And so she went to Samson. She didn't tell Samson. You know what? If she would have just known who she was married to, if she would have just realized the power that God had put in this man's hands to, I mean, he could have whipped those 30 men without even breaking a sweat. But she didn't even know. And see, that's another part of the problem about connecting with people that don't have your same uh, faith-based ideas. and added. They don't understand the power that you have, and so they don't support that in you. They don't build that up in you. They're pulling you down and pulling you away from it, back to secular ideas and secular thoughts and things outside of God's wisdom and will. She didn't understand. She'd have just known who she was married to, but she didn't know. And so she started whining. Oh, Samson, you hadn't told me this riddle. He said, I ain't even told my parents. But she went on for four days. And finally on the seventh day, he had to listen to it as much as he could. And he said, okay. And so he told her, explain what the riddle meant. And she immediately went and told the 30 friends. When they told, before the sun went down that day, they came to him and they said, we got an answer for your riddle. What is it? What is stronger than a lion and what is sweeter than honey? And then Samson, boy, he gets mad. And he utters, one of the, he utters one of the most uh, uh, colorful phrases uh, in, uh, written in the whole Bible. I mean, I, I, got, I got a friend that's in ministry. He's a retired pastor now up, up in the northwest cor- northeast corner of Arkansas that I could hear him saying something like that because he's just a big old country bumpkin of a preacher or whatever. Samson, man, he is so mad. And he said, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, <laughs> you wouldn't have solved my riddle. <laughs> now, some of y'all are going to get a granddaddy. You talk something like that, right? But they, he said, if you hadn't plowed with my, but that's the problem. 
They were plowing with his heifer. Why? Because he was now outside of God's plan. He was out of control. God wasn't in control. Life was running amok. Everything wrong was happening. His life was falling apart because he got outside of God's plan. He got so mad, he went out and caught 300 foxes. He tied their tails to each other. He put a, put a, 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 a torch like tied between the two tails. He set the torches on fire, and then he let the foxes go. The Word of God says it was the time of the wheat harvest. So you know what that meant about the wheat? The wheat was dry. It wasn't green anymore. It was, ready to be, it was ready to be harvested. It was dry. So when a little bit of fire went out there, but he sent 300 foxes out there, burned down all of their wheat, it, and the Word says it even burned down their vineyards, and it burned down their olive groves. Boy, they were mad. But that's what happens. That's what happens when you get outside of God's plan. You know what they did? They had to retaliate. And so they went to his father-in-law's house, and his, and, and his, uh, mother, and his uh, wife was there too, and they burned him. They burned their father-in-law and his wife there in that house. And it just goes on and on and on. It continues. And one has to get revenge, and another has to get revenge, because that's the way of the world. And when you get outside uh, of the plan of God, that's what happens in your life. When you get outside of the plan of God, you're not operating in those ways anymore. And so then he goes and he hides out into a cave. And so they go looking for him in, in the cave. And then, uh, then some of, the, some of the, uh, the Israelites from Judah, they go to him and say, hey, what's going on here? I mean, you, you've got all the Philistines mad at us. And we've come to take you. If they're going to betray him, they're going to, they're going to give him to the Philistines. And, of course, they can. I mean, if Samson wanted to step up and just whip them all, he could. But he said, well, as long as you And so they, they give him to the hand of the Philistines. And... Then in the Philistines, when the Philistines come, don't know how many were there, but it says he found a bone, a jawbone from a donkey that had just died recently. And he picked up that jawbone and he killed a thousand Philistines. And then he went home. You would think, I mean, if anybody had any time to think, I mean, sitting there in that cave for just a few moments, you would think that he would say, wait a minute, something's not right here, wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't you think he'd say, wait a minute, I had so much promise and purpose in this life. Why in the world is all this stuff happening? But once he got outside of the plan of God, I mean, you know, it was whatever, whatever from this point on. You'd think he'd learn his lesson, but he didn't. Because the next thing he does, the very next chapter says, he goes down to Gaza. Now, Gaza's even further down. He goes down to Gaza and he spends the night with a prostitute. Wait a minute, this is the guy that had all this purpose from God. This is the guy that, that was called of God before he was even born. Before he was even in his mother's womb, God already had a plan for him. He goes and spends the night with a prostitute. And then the next thing we find out about him is he meets the wrong woman. Her name was Delilah. Some of you know that story, maybe. And Delilah, she was a Philistine. And so the, so the rulers of the Philistines, they go, when they find out that Samson is in love with Delilah and he's coming to her house pretty often, they go and talk to her and say, you've got to help us. To find out what is the secret of his supernatural strength. And so I'm going to try to speed through this a little bit because my, my time's just about up. And so when, when Samson comes the next time, she asks him. And he tells her, he tells her three different things. I mean, he tells her, he tells her at first, if, uh, if bowstring that is still not dried out yet, brand new bowstring that's still not dried, if it's, if it's used to tie me up, I'll lose all my strength. Then he tells her, if you take rope, new rope that has never been tied, and you tie it around me, I won't have any strength. 
And then the third time, he's, he's in her house, and he looks, and he sees, you know, he sees a loom, and he says, uh, oh, if uh, you, you weave my hair into your loom, into the, the fabric that you're weaving in that loom, he said, then I won't have my strength. And every time he does this, she tries that. And she has some Philistines hanging out at her house. And so she says, wake up, Samson, the Philistines are here to capture you. And so he just jumps up and whips them, you know, and goes on. Now you would think after three times, come on, guys. Every time he tells her, this is what will take away my strength, this is how you can defeat me, she tries it. Then why in the world? But he does. Because he, is, he cannot hear that still, small voice inside it is screaming, no, Samson. No, Samson. Man, have you ever messed up so badly and then later look back and say, that still, small voice was telling me no. Oh, he couldn't hear it. any, And so he told her the secret of his strength. He said, cut my hair off and I won't have any strength. She got him to go to sleep. She called in the barber. They cut his hair off. She said, Samson, they're, they're here to get you again. He jumps up. And for some stupid reason, he thinks he's still got strength. Now, it wasn't about the hair. The hair was part of the contract, the covenant between God and Samson that was made before he was born. And you know, we look at all those things up there in this wrong timeline, this wrong plan of Samson's plan. We look at all this stuff, all that stuff that happened, and say, my goodness, you know, why did God wait this long to turn his back on it? But God's a long-suffering God, isn't he? Man, isn't he patient with us? Anybody here besides me ever messed up 100,000 times? And isn't he a patient God? And he just, just goes on and goes on and goes on and goes on. But finally, Samson, he totally breaks the covenant. And it, you know, the very basis of his covenant, here's, you know, God, I only got a couple things to do for you. I just don't drink and I don't cut my hair and you're going to give me this supernatural strength. And, but he breaks the basis of the covenant and then God's like, I can't help you anymore. I mean, you know, you can mess up, you can fall on your face, and you can repent, and you can go back and forth and over. But when you break the, when you say, then God said, I, I can't help you anymore. And that's where Samson had come to. He couldn't help him anymore. And so they come in and they capture Samson. They gouge out his eyes, and now he is blind. They take him to prison, and he grinds grain in the prison day after day after day. Hard, hard, I mean, back-breaking work that he has to do every single day. And then one day, the Philistines are in the temple of Dagon, and they're, 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 they're enjoying sport, or this, this, uh, this arena of Dagon. They're enjoying sport. They don't know what's going on exactly, but they say, let's call for Samson out here, and let's make fun of Samson. Don't know what they do. I've, I've seen it depicted in movies where they kind of like, uh, kind of a circus thing, you know, not with, you know, tents and, and uh, elephants, stuff like that, but like they brought Samson out this big, strong guy that has this supernatural strength. He'd been whipping Philistines all of his life, you know. And, and then they brought out some midgets like clowns who were running around hitting him with sticks, you know, and he's screaming and turning and trying, you know, and he's blind. He can't see these little midgets. So the little midgets are beating up on the strong man, and they're laughing and jeering at him. And talk, I, don't, I don't know exactly what they're doing. I mean, it could be a lot of different things that they did. All we know is they made fun of him. And when he's finished, they take him over and they stand him next to some columns. And this is where it's come to. All, all, all of this. And, and how did it happen? How did it happen? It happened just because one day he chose to be disobedient. One day he went down and he never stopped again to hear the still small voice. 
But on this day, on this day, chapter 16, verse 28 says, Then Samson called to the Lord. I told Micah I didn't need any of the rest of that verse because the rest of it's not important. Not as important as this. Because it's not important what you say to God today. God just wants you to talk to Him. He just wants you to hear that still, small voice say, Hey, come on, you know, here's where you messed up. Here's where you're killing your marriage. Here's where you messed up in your finances and where I, why I can't bless you right now. Here's what you've done with your relationship with your parents or your relationship with your kids. Here's what, here, you remember that decision you made? You were deceitful in that business decision or at work or whatever. And God just wants you to hear that still small voice that's saying, here's where you messed up. And to pray. And when Samson prayed, he got back to the original timeline of God's plan. You know, no matter how much bad, and look, look how much bad, look how much bad, no matter how much bad has happened to this point in your life, if you just call out to the Lord, he can put you right back on the, on the plan. Right back at the set. See, some, some of you thinking, and I know that because I, I, w- I wasn't going to say this, but I just felt this in my heart. Some of you thinking, I got too much bad. I can't fix this. No, you can't. But God can. If God can fix that. <laughs> Does it, anybody got one that looks that bad? <laughs> if God can fix it. I mean, y'all, y'all ain't committed murder. I doubt there's a murderer in the house. 30 murders and still in their clothes. If God can fix that, he can fix you. You just need to hear the still, small voice and respond. Stand with me, come to the front. Let's close this together. Around front. Jamie, can we do the third song you did, You Are Holy? Let's do that here. I felt that when we were singing it a little while ago. You know what's so sad? Mike, bring that, uh, the whole big long timeline thing back up again. You know what's so sad? Is Samson fulfilled his purpose right there at the very end. I mean, yeah, there were, there were splashes of God's power in his life, all of his life, right? But he only fulfilled the purpose at the very end. Just like some of you, there have been splashes of God's power in your life. But there's never been any purpose. There's, there's not been a fulfillment. You know when it's coming? When you listen to that still small voice and you respond and you fix it and you say it's time. And, and, and look, you know, I, I mean, I like the way Mike did this. I kind of threw it to him and said, hey, this is what I need. And I like the way he did this because, you know, God doesn't make him go back and revisit every single thing and Say, okay, God, forgive me of this and this and this and this and this. We'd be here all day, huh? He said, God, I messed up. Avenge me this one last time. He said, let me have your power in my life again. And avenge me of my enemies for my two eyes. He's still blind. He dies blind. So God allows him one more time this supernatural power and strength. As he's standing there at those two pillars, he starts pushing and pushing and pushing until they begin to creak and then crack 
and fall apart and the entire temple of Dagon comes down on top of him with 3,000 Philistines. And the word of God says this, that he killed more in his death than he did in his life. The, the deliverance came through his death, not through his life. Why? Because he didn't live God's plan. I want to see, I want to see fulfillment while I'm alive. <laughs> I want to see awesome while I'm alive, don't you? I mean, I don't want to get to heaven and just find people tell me later that, hey, you know, you, you, you really blessed me. I, I want to see some of it happening right now while I'm alive. Then let's not wait. Let's not wait. Hear that still small voice right now and respond. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? Jamie, just go ahead as soon as you can. Let's pray. Come on, hear that still small voice.